0: Hi, and welcome back, or welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Driz, a Mindset and Performance Coach. I help athletes and young professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas, from training to nutrition, but focus essentially on the mindset, as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand psychology behind their actions and behavior, and of course, to know what kind of mindsets they have. Musician Ash Grenwald is one of those rare people who are passionate and genuine about what they do. I met Ash through my buddy Michael who introduced him to me as a musician and a surfer just to find out that he is much more than that. In our conversation Ash talks about his journey from sport to music and what it is like to tour the world with athletes such as Kelly Slater and Stephanie Gilmore in the WSL. Ash also shares with us his philosophy, routines, his love for the music and what drives him. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and hope you do as well. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, making time for this. I was really looking forward to it. Cool, brother. No worries. I know it's going to be fun. How many times we met so far?
1: Uh, Just we had an inspirational little chat on the beach a little while ago. So I think twice. This yeah. is, and we've always had very good chats into similar kind of stuff. So
0: yeah, Mikey has uh, has good connections, and he yeah. I think he's the guy that connects people together. Absolutely, <laughs> he's got the, a gift for that. On the um, WhatsApp group where we are all all together, there for uh, surfing. Yeah. yeah, every time he's bringing somebody new, like James. You know this yeah. guy that is in the group also. Have you met him yeah. before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew him from so long, but I really didn't know. Uh, that was that James that it was in the WhatsApp group. Like I, I yeah. surf with him, yeah. and I keep on like a, he drops drops on me. I drop on him sometimes. <laughs> and that day we he he came pick us up and we went all the way to Jimbaran surfing All oh, right,
1: cool. On the airport, right? It was quite a nice yeah. day. It's a good quality, isn't it? And um the thing about Michael that I really notice, apart from his gregarious personality and you know he can get along with anyone which is really great so can I I make friends really easily and stuff like that and I'm really friendly in the water but he has one practical thing that I don't have uh which is he can remember people's names (laughs) that's good like yeah I'm quite impressed about that he's so good at it yeah and um for me I've let that one little practical thing really changed the uh the potential of what's achievable um and and just not bothered to um get good at learning people's names but um this year with um having so many different positive changes and thinking about positive thinking every day and pretty much my brain is and my thoughts on the world and everything is changing every day um and I'm realizing that there really are no limits and it's really fun to learn stuff. So um, I'm sort of making it my thing and now I'm putting it out on your podcast. <laughs> but I'm making my thing to, um, at some stage, get um, get better with names. Do For you sure. have a
0: specific technique on how to learn names? names? No, not at all. I need to look that up.
1: Or learn from you right now.
0: <laughs> well, well, we have, I mean, I'm not so good at it, but like, what I learned is that once somebody is telling me his name, I'm drawing it. I'm making a, a picture of it in my mind. Ah. I'm like, do, literally thinking, like drawing it with my finger in neon. The, uh, uh, in neon. <laughs> neon is just my thing. You can draw ah. it in the sand. You no, can draw I might it in, go in neon. So too. <laughs> I'm doing a, a neon hand drawing with my left hand. try to remember that name so it's like ash are you left-handed no i'm right handed i'll just do it with the left one because i'm probably shaking with the right one Uh so i'm shaking and i'm drawing a s age ah. in neon in some dark background or something. That's what I try to do, but I'm not 100% good at it.
1: <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe you just solved, me, solved it. I'm going to try that from now on. That's Give it a really shot. Cool. Give it a shot. Or even if you said, and even if you tried to do it and you even took the time to, um, you'd be like, oh, Driss. Oh, is that with an E, a double E? Or you ask a question about it, then... You, I could. Still. I don't want to say, use that bad language and say those bad things I was about to say. I could talk about all of those things and still forget. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to lose that bad language of like talking myself down the whole time. Interesting. We're going to get into that. But
0: tell me first, where do you come from? How, how did you start all of this? Like, did you know you wanted to be a musician when you were a kid? How was your childhood when you was little?
1: Uh, yeah, um, so I grew up in Melbourne and uh, I'm from a sporting background, a sporting family. And uh, my whole family religion is soccer. And oh, yeah. um, so I grew up playing a lot of soccer and I really wanted, my ambition was to play for Australia, but I didn't really get to any high levels. I was... Just working away at it, and I didn't really make the statesides and stuff when I was young. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I was, I thought I was pretty handy, (laughs) pretty good at it. Oh, but. um,
0: Were you training seriously for it?
1: I was training seriously for it, and I was playing, I played my first senior game when I was like 13 or something. I was a big kid. (laughs) Um, So, and then I was playing at a new club when I was 17, and I had my uh, leg broken, and um, I always struggled to come back after that uh-huh, um, and they didn't the club didn't have a good physio plan or anything like that, and I was young and, and how did you get into place. it in the first place like was there uh, an influence from parents for example oh absolutely yeah. yeah yeah my whole my granddad his dad my dad my dad uh-huh. played schoolboys for Australia, but in South Africa that was their big thing was soccer and then
0: so so your father yeah. is uh south african correct yes, south african. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and
1: then my brother played for australia my younger brother and uh my sister was a captain of the victorian team okay so they were all really good but um yeah so so, w- just, so yeah
0: so what kind of um uh influence would you say you
1: got from from um from that environment ah uh, yeah i was really big um i didn't realize any of this but um I learned how to work at things yeah. and I learned like when I was, you know, when I was, uh, I think when I was like 11 or 12, <laughs> I was trying to get into a regional side mm. over Christmas, you know, the I oh, was so over the summer period, the representation, which the is representation, also Christmas the period. level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <The> industry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was trying to get into a, better side and uh i just practiced a whole lot and uh then when i came back for my season my normal season Mm. with my normal club i was like kind of like the best player one of the best players and i had all this um skill skill for dribbling and doing little tricks and stuff Mm. that i didn't have before and i just learned that you could actually you could actually become what people would call a talented player and at soccer Mm mm-hmm through hard work, which no one thinks you can do that. And, uh, then my personality as a player was like this guy who was a show, like showy and doing yeah. tricks all the time. And, you know, maybe not that hardworking or pa- not passing yeah. very much and yeah. stuff. So I could almost would get typecast sometimes in my team of oh, that show off kind of guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could achieve that with just practice. And I thought, that's amazing because it seems like the kind of thing that you wouldn't practice. It seems like those kind of things seem like um, more are you just born with it kind of stuff, but you can practice that. And uh, anyway, so I played music all that time as well, but I just did that for fun and I didn't think it was possible to become a professional musician.
0: So what what age are we talking about here?
1: Uh, So that was through my teen years and then – Broke my leg when I was seventeen, and uh, I went to uni and uh, i got I studied literature and filmmaking and also got a teaching a Bachelor of teaching and yeah. uh, became a school teacher and then but by the time I just sort of got started with that and my music, I was gigging four nights a week anyway and then my music took over
0: so when you you had your leg broken what what sort of what kind of th- sort of things were you thinking of at that time was it i'm done was that the kind of dialogue that you had internal dialogue no i was like, like i'm going to make it back and this uh, isn't
1: going to make a difference and it's for oh that was when i was 17 so i was uh, finishing my last year of school and that was important to me uh, so and i had locked my guitar away <laughs> uh, and put it on the top shelf because um, where I couldn't play it because guitar I just played for passion and um, I never thought, as I said, I didn't think you could become a professional musician. So that didn't enter my head. So I just worked away at my studies and I just thought, oh, well, I'll just make the most of it, you know, three months on crutches. So um, and then I was really ambitious to come back and play soccer and get and recover and took a couple of years and it was never quite the same. Interesting because
0: you you knew that like you can build a talent through um, practicing, training hard for football, but for guitar there was something else ongoing, like no, you can't, Yeah. right? Yeah,
1: it wasn't even, yeah, I just thought it never occurred to me to be a professional musician, yeah. that that was a career path. Uh uh-huh. I didn't know anyone who was. And I'd never really, and you know, to go into the pub or whatever, I guess I was sheltered. To go into the pub, I lived in the suburbs of Melbourne. And if you went in the pub, there was a fight always, or I just thought, oh, that's a scary place. And I don't know, the life I ended up Mm. leading was so different (laughs) because I ended up for the net for 20 years, you know, touring really hard and. Drinking mm. hard, partying hard, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and playing at festivals all the time and, yeah. you know, getting right into that lifestyle. Once I finally got in there, I really got into it. 100%. But, um, yeah, at first it was like, no, yeah. oh, I didn't think that would ever happen. If we go
0: back to uh, parents and uh, the influence that your dad had on you, um, he was inspiration, you said, like in grandfather also, like they were playing football both yeah. of them, yeah, was there any kind of um something that he used to say to you that you'd say that is still stick and that that made you who you are right now
1: um so I think hmm. something
0: that he says or did
1: I think uh,
0: if not him, maybe grandfather.
1: I mean, definitely they both did. I mean, my granddad was a big influence on me because he played guitar. (laughs) Oh. And, yeah. um, There you go. But um, I'm just trying to think of anything specific. There would be a lot. My dad was a soccer coach too. Yeah, there was one thing that um, I'm starting to apply now um, that I've applied many different times. But even when, um, when I wanted to go as far as I could playing soccer, There was that, I think my dad was the one who said, you know, reach for the stars and, you know, if you, you know, maybe you'll, you know, if you don't reach the stars, you might reach the moon, you know. That's an empowering one. Yeah. And it's funny because that's how I'm thinking right now this year. Because what happened to me was um, with my music career, I, once I wanted to become a musician, fast forward a few years and I decide that it is possible to become a musician. When was that? That was probably at the age of about 24, actually, which is kind of late-ish in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, no, maybe 22. Um, And then I had an album in shops by the time I was 24. So once I decided, um, I was in a relationship that was kind of holding me back. Um, And once I broke out of that, I just went crazy with it. And actually my ex said something about, She went and saw some, I don't know if it was a clairvoyant or something. I haven't thought about this very much. But she said I was going to be some kind of musician or something. She just said something about that to me when we were already broken up and we were just talking. It was an amicable split. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But um, I didn't know what she was talking about. But then, any I ended up being a successful musician, so that was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it just sort of happened, just happened. I just threw, one, I just threw all my ambition and everything into it. And then, because I'm a blues player, and you saw me here fiddling on the guitar, I've been playing a lot of guitar lately. Mm. At the very start of my career, that's how I was in that blues thing, where it, it's almost like a sport, where you know the the players are so good mm. at it. Mm-hmm. And it's all about playing tricky. Well, it's not really. It's about feel, but it's impressive, the the people who do tricky things. Yeah. And I saw all these kids, like I was 22, 23. I saw a 15-year-old kids shredding like they were amazing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've missed the boat at this bloody thing. I started too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just ended up focusing on my songwriting and different things. And in australia so this is coming up to this is the late 90s and then basically get into 2000 2001 and the roots movement started up and um you had uh i don't know if you know these guys john butler and xavier Rudd, and uh, john butler yeah for sure yeah that kind of thing i, I was kind of part of that mm. movement mm. and i hitched a ride on that even though i was a blues player it was not exactly what those guys were doing but I was along with that movement I was part of that movement and it just went crazy (laughs) it was really cool (laughs) so I just had a was lucky enough to have a um a good career and then I got into surfing and I just used used um my music to go on heaps of surf trips and travel around Australia a lot and go on heaps of snowboarding trips to Canada and play music there and all that kind of stuff so I definitely used my music for that 15 years to have an amazing time. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, it was
0: pretty fun. So, how how satisfied are you from your um, uh, music, musician career, music career right now? Like, if you were gonna put a number on it from one to ten, like ten being super satisfied, and you know five is average,
1: where would you place yourself? Well, everything's changed this year. I mm. mean, at the start of this year I would be around 5. Although I say that, it's really tough because I've had prosperity and I've, you know, I've done well financially out huh. of it and I never expected anything. All I wanted to do was not work a day job. <laughs> mm. And I was shocked when I and then to have we have a radio station there called Triple J in Australia that's for the youth stuff, you know, like whatever's cool young people kind of music mm. and I never when I started you would never ever hear any blues on that mm-hmm. radio station it wasn't even any kind of aspiration and then I was getting played on there all the time and I ended up actually being a DJ on there for uh, 18 months and stuff like that every part of my career I was just pinching myself the whole time going oh, it's going to end, it's going to end <laughs> and on, all the way for about For a good decade, I was saying, it's going to end soon, it's going to end soon, and it wasn't. Um, And then, so, you know, fast forward to I've been doing it for about 15 years, and then my my last album that I did, like about probably four or five years ago now, um, that I put a lot of time and money into it, and uh, Triple J didn't support it because I was too old, and that really affected my numbers, And then I went to America, somebody just flew me over there to record with all these blues masters, paid for everything. I didn't pay for so much as a coffee. And uh, that was amazing. And it was like, oh my God, now I'm going to transition, you know, this Triple J thing. The whole Roots scene is over now kind of thing. But now I'm going to transition into being like a young blues guy rather than an old Roots guy. Wow, that's going to be amazing. I've been rescued out of the blue. I thought that was amazing. And then that guy I recorded and then that guy kind of disappeared. Um, and so it was just like all these doors were shutting and it was just a really tough time for me.
0: It disappeared after the recordings, after finishing. Yeah, with yeah, the recordings. With <laughs> with the recordings. Yeah. Oh, no.
1: Yeah, so it didn't happen. The album didn't happen. Um, so and then, you know, I was pursuing a career, uh, trying to get things happening in America, And I had good, I did do a uh, tour of America with Xavier Rudd, which was really cool. And uh, then I had a booking agent there, was going to start touring America. That fell over. Same thing in Canada. And I had been touring Canada for almost a decade. And I was just about to step up to the next level there, started playing some good festivals. That kind of fell over. So, and then I just sort of. You know it was like okay well i have done well at this music caper fuck it and i, I ended up moving to bali and just surfing a hell of a lot and just gigging uh-huh. i was gigging but i i still didn't put out another album all that time just one single here or there to keep things going so i was feeling kind of like mm, i really don't know what's next kind of thing and until this year and yeah
0: so how did you go through how did you manage all that 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 disappointment and frustration? Like did you have a specific technique or what were you thinking at that time? Like a lot of people will find it like extreme challenging and just maybe pull off completely.
1: Well, yeah, I I was like, okay, I'm and you in didn't. this for the long haul for yeah. sure. And I have the really lucky thing that um, you know, financial things, you know, like I have my mm. family. Mm. And my wife started a really good business, but still, I still had to, um, keep, um, stoking that fire, um, financially mm. and we built a house and we did all this stuff. So mm. I still needed to keep money in, which I think is really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a few times like, cause we've got, you know, we could have sort of sold everything up and made it all like debt free and I could have gone... Mm. I really wanted to do that and go, right, okay, I'm going to keep playing and everything, but now I know that playing my guitar has got us a house paid off and blah, 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 and we're done here. Mm. (laughs) And now we can just move into the next phase. But my wife didn't want to do that. So it sort of really kept me, (laughs) Mm. uh, which I'm glad of, it kept me having to keep going with it. It's not to say that I would have stopped, but I didn't want any pressure. But I, it kept the pressure and it, it just um, made things keep um, pushing along. Um, and then, it, yeah, it got me to this year. But, like, this year everything changed. So it's just fantastic. Like, it's gone through the roof now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good. So that what's that number? What's the number, one to ten?
1: Oh, the, well, now? Yeah. Oh, I'd put it at an – I don't know uh, – I mean, I guess I can't put it at a 10 cause I'm not like a household name, but, um, I feel like all of my dreams and everything that I'm setting out to achieve now with music is coming to fruition. And I feel at very much at the start of something really exciting. And, um, I've just had this year, I've had a lot of things turn around and, um, it started with quitting drinking. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was on the 1st of January. We, we both, my wife and I quit drinking and, um, cause yeah, I've been partying my ass off for 20 years and, um, she had two. um, and, um, you know, like surfers can be renowned for really getting into it and drinking a whole lot and partying a whole lot and so can musicians. And I was both and, uh, and then just traveling i'd always be drinking on the plane,' always be drinking in the lounges, the airport lounges, you know
0: could we go a little bit backward to the time where you realized that you're gonna um become a musician, so you were into it like you said when you, in teenage time you were playing casually, right, like you're writing also, but when did you know that it was um that's it like i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna become a musician, did you uh, what kind of feedback did you had at that time that gave you the confidence to go for it? Was it cheers from people? Was it you listening to your own music? So is it an internal feedback? Okay, I'm good at it. I'm listening to it. It sounds good. Or is it like becoming popular? people responding to it? Mm. What is the feedback that you respond to most? Mm. External or internal?
1: I think it must be, I think we don't realize how much these things are internal because you wouldn't be, I must have been that guy singing really loud at a party or, yeah. you, know, uh. Uh, you know, like it was so funny that I was studying uni and we had the option when I was at uni, I was doing film and, you know, you'd get all these different electives. And we had one elective that was learn pro this new, new program at the time called mm. pro tools. Uh-huh. You know, pro tools is like, yeah, I think the I remember that industry one industry standard. Yeah. Um, and I had that much, no idea that I was going to become a musician that I, there was an, another elective that was animation, which I didn't care about animation at all, but I took that rather than take the pro tools thing. Mm. So I had no idea I was going to become a musician. Yet at uni, I'd be there in people's films. You know, everybody needs actors for films. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I could play guitar in this. And I'd be (laughs) singing away, Mm. singing and playing guitar in people's films and stuff. So it was just very much who I was. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: So that was the kind of feedback you had. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I enjoy it. It's yeah, fun. and I
1: always wanted to play for I'm people. I'm quite a
0: good a good at it. And I must yeah. have
1: thought I was some kind yeah. of legend wanting to yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I think I always have been a pretty good singer. Yeah. Um and also my my interests in music were very specific and very weird for me in my generation that I was really into blues and that I even knew blues and was you know, singing blues, it wasn't a very normal thing for a kid to be doing. Um, and I felt very drawn to that. Um, so it felt very soulful.
0: That's like chapter one, right? Like if we want to call it like chapters as in yeah. books. What would be chapter two there? So
1: so chapter two would be, um well, there's a little bit of a transition, but I started, I moved into the city of Melbourne uh-huh. and I started... Um, that's when I broke off with that relationship and then yeah. I just really took off because everything, I've got this uh, quality that I got from my dad there and, uh. Uh, of just getting obsessed and really going for it. So, you know, they have these blues jams that people do, you know, like a um, open mic night kind of thing. But I was like touring them, <laughs> like touring Melbourne doing them. I was doing five nights mm. a week <laughs> of all the every blues jam that they had mm. in the whole city it added up to almost every night of the week. So I would go to everyone and get up for my three songs and then get to know some musicians. And I just took it from there and then fast forward a couple of years and I got a small, what amounts to a record deal basically. And, um, had an album out in, Mm -hmm. um, in shops
0: were you supported by parents like uh, when, when it comes to the choice of career that you wanted to do
1: see so my parents didn't have a lot of money but they did
0: um uh, i don't mean necessarily financially i mean like uh, uh, encouraging you like yeah do whatever you want to do or
1: yeah what i was going to say was um not that it was financial but what i was going to say is my parents didn't have a lot of money but they really did bust their gut to send us to a private school they spent all their money. My daddy, dad was a builder and they sent, spent all their money on that. And, um, I really respect them for that. I, it's not like it really mattered that much necessarily, but it was important to them and it made me realize that my education was important. So then when I got a job as a teacher and then decided not to do it, um, you would have thought that they would have said, what the hell are you doing? You know, we work so hard to get you cause to that level. Uh, to be able to have an education, now you're going to throw it all away. But they didn't. They just said, oh, yeah, go, you know. And I think I look back on it and I think that's really good. And if I had gone to that much effort for my kids, I might not have been so good about it. I don't know. But they really were encouraging in that way. They didn't know anything about music. It was like seemed like a strange, it was a whole different world to all of us. But that was the exciting thing for me. And it was also, and what came with it was smoking joints and drinking and being in, you know, my first, uh, one of the first blues bands I joined was a scary, well, not scary, but it was this real tough Aussie kind of band. It's so Mm. different to how I was as a, you know, uh, With my family background and my whole background of like, and I was playing in these bikey clubs and all this stuff. (laughs) And I looked like this little, I had dreadlocks and I was like this little. Yeah, I
0: saw some pictures in the internet.
1: (laughs) I was this little half brown little dready in these bikey clubs. (laughs) It was a real education. It was a quick education and Uh uh, it was an adventure.
0: And when did surfing come into, take place in there?
1: Uh, well, I guess I started surfing whenever I could, as soon as I could kind of thing in mm. my early, like when I got my license because you can't surf in Melbourne. So yeah, you like, got to drive an hour and a half or something yeah, like that, right? So I was doing the hour and a half drive. Mm. was a very thankless, I've put a chapter of that in my book. That's how my book starts with me doing that. Huh. So like when I was at, you know, that level of starting to play around the local blues clubs and different things, but I'd be jetting down to Phillip Island, which was like two hours away, going to surf in the freezing cold, probably standing up for about 30 seconds for my whole day's effort mm. in the freezing cold mm. on a super thin thruster, <laughs> pointy nose thruster. Like, you know, you could, the sort of thing you, almost impossible to learn on with mm. a really stiff wetsuit. Um, so I did that for a fair few years until I got a mini mal. Mm. And then I started to progress a little quicker, but surfing was exactly the same as a music thing. I was just obsessed with it. And, um, now to think about some of the things that I've done, like gone on a lot of trips with pros and done about, I don't know, maybe about 10 boat trips to the mentor and different places like that. And surf some reasonably solid waves around the place. Um, uh-huh. I've actually surfed in Morocco. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> did? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, what about a fun. Uh, Anchor Point?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. The legendary Anchor Point. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And then up there, Imswan.
0: Imswan, there? also beautiful. Yeah, the long board. Yeah, uh, longboard. yeah longboard. that's a bit more like that. It was
1: yeah. huge swell. When, I was it. When we okay. We went up there. But yeah. anyway, but yeah, traveled the world with that as well. But I haven't surfed in Hawaii or anything, but.
0: So, you know. so what, what did it take you to get to where you are at right now? Like you're s- connected with world-class athletes and surfing, probably snowboarding too, right? Yeah. Um. You play in different countries. What would you say the uh, top mental skills that you carried along to get to where you are at right now?
1: Well, I'd like to answer that in two ways. Yeah, to get me to this point is one answer and then from this point is a different answer. Go for but, it. Um, the first part of the answer to mm. get me to this point is I think um, I've never been a super, what I would call a disciplined person, mm-hmm. but I'm very, very, uh, very driven when, when it comes to the things I'm passionate about. Mm. So 100% inspiration and passion and just once it's that kind of things there for me, mm. I work super hard at things that I'm into, and then things that are boring, like filling out a form, or yeah. like <laughs> if I get a fine, I'll yeah. just sort of like throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the world's worst, yeah. administrator. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally loose, but just yeah, I just w- I worked super super hard at it. Uh. Um, Would you say were you consistent?
0: Ultra on and consistent.
1: off. Sorry? Ultra consistent.
0: Good. Okay. Consistency.
1: Con- so consistency is one of those mental skills. Absolutely. Right? Well, I just didn't I don't turn off like especially this year, now that we're not drinking, because sometimes we'd be down by the pool drinking and playing music and procrastinating. Yeah. But it was because of the drug of alcohol. Oh. Um, because we were half drunk, you mm. know. You'd a lazy Sunday afternoon or something. I could be productive and have a few drinks and, like, practice and stuff if I was by myself. But Mm. if I was with my wife or with friends or something, Mm. you just go places and have a few drinks and Mm. do whatever you do. But, you know, you just waste so much time. Now, this year, uh, you know, my playing, I took guitar lessons. I took, um, you know, and I've been playing for 30 years. But I took guitar lessons and I think I'm definitely playing at a level double as good as I could play a year ago, and I've taken vocal lessons, which I was mainly known for my vocals, but I and I have improved a lot at singing as well, and even the way I'm talking right now, saying I've improved at this, I've improved at that, I couldn't have said that a year ago. I would have felt like a wanker, you know. I got the yeah. Aussie tall poppy syndrome thing going, <laughs> and you're not allowed to talk that way, and uh, I'm just so sick of that, and I I feel like that really held me back. And, um, very interesting
0: yeah you know I used to live in Sweden before yeah right six years yeah right that's how we made a connection with Mike actually the first time we told him oh, I okay. used to live in Sweden he's 14 and it's very similar what you tell me here about um, Aussies was very yeah. similar to Swedes
1: uh, they wouldn't yeah, be saying
0: would... things like yeah I'm good at this now i better at yeah. that now they wouldn't say it I never yeah. understood why it's a cultural yeah. thing yeah but it helps you back
1: absolutely yeah Absolutely. It holds you back and I think everybody checks on everybody else too. Like it holds you back, but it holds others back too. Everybody's holding each other back that way. And I'm just really sick of that. I'm really sick of uh negative self-talk and that's what changed for me this year was I was in West Oz and I got great waves on that trip, <laughs> but, um, i had some gigs that were small just really small gigs and i knew they were going to be small and um danny my wife said now when you go and do these gigs you know you're always trying to talk people into saying that you're finished or you you know i always would be telling people ah you know i'm getting got less people than last this time you know than i used to get and i'm going nowhere (laughs) you know sort of Often I would try and it's like I was trying to – one part of me relished in the honesty of telling people exactly how it is. You know, if you're going well, tell people you're going well, but if you're not going well, tell them exactly how you're not going well. And um, so I had been doing that. But Danny said to me, you know, it's like you're trying to convince people you're not going well, you know. And you talk it down too much, so you should just say, no, the gig was great. If they ask you how many people were there or if they're really into the stats, then you can tell them. But if they don't ask, don't tell them because they probably don't even care. They just want to know how your gig went. You're there telling them that you didn't pull, you know. She was right. I was out of my own fear or out of my own, yeah, fear that I was going downhill I just focused on the negatives when I'd talk about my career to people and stuff. And I think it had a little bit of an effect on my career anyway. So I said, okay, you're right. I don't want to do that. Um, I want to change that. And from that, that was a car drive to Denmark in West Oz, (laughs) this place called Denmark. Mm -hmm. And that gig, there was a hundred people at the gig that night, which is not a very great, um, turnout for one of my gigs. And, uh, It was just the most fun gig because I had told, you know, I had committed to um, the idea of making it a really great gig and being able to tell people afterwards the gig was amazing. So I already had the plan, right, I'm going to have to tell people after this gig that this gig was amazing. So I had to make it amazing and I... And I did, and every gig since then, this year, every gig, every single gig has been really good and enjoyable and felt amazing. And I felt like that was before I started practicing and stuff, but it was just, to me, it was night and day. There was a vibe in the room and, and it felt really inspired and coming from a really good place. And, um, I couldn't tell people enough who are listening to this that that like a lot of that stuff that where you project it's in a lot of positive thinking and um everything from the secret to Wayne Dyer um to who the guy you sent me to yeah a a lot of people will talk Uh, about Bruce Lipton and all these guys yes it's very common across a whole lot of different um philosophies but it definitely it's a common thing in the new age thing to manifest your um, outcomes before they've even happened and feel the feeling of it and stuff like that. But this was before I knew any of that and it it definitely worked. Um, Now I look back, I see it as that kind of thing, but at the time I was just thinking, well, I've already said I'm going to have to tell people it's a good gig so I'm going to live up to it. But now I realize what I was doing was I was telling my subconscious, okay, we're locking this one in here. So, let's make it a good one because we're locking it in. We have to mm. make this good. And then I think your subconscious just goes, yeah, okay, well, let's make it good then. Actions <laughs> also follow, yeah, behavior
0: also follow, and outcomes are affected hundred percent.
1: yeah, mm. yeah, it's what you did you wrote on the sand there
0: and <laughs> uh, one one thing that also I uh, recommend people to do, like if facts are negative, let's say it wasn't a good gig to not put a period at the end of that phrase because then you will have a passive um, behavior or action, which is doing nothing. Like, yeah, it was a bad gig, period. Is to put a coma there it's like, and reframe it. Uh, and it's also called redemptive storytelling. So it was a bad gig, but I'm working on making the next one better. And then watch and notice what kind of emotions comes through you. It's excitement, motivation, and looking forward to how you're going to make it even better the next one. And it's quite motivating to do it that way.
1: That is absolutely amazing and it's just amazing that you said that Mm. because what happened to me um, maybe a month later was um, I was homeschooling my daughter Sunny and we were doing some work on growth mindset and I was just writing about this as well, but like um, little three-letter word that I thought about after that. I don't know. They probably talked about a lot of things, but this is what I really took from it. The little word called yet. So, you know, I'm not a good surfer, full stop, or I'm not a good surfer, comma, yet. Yes. And it makes all the difference. And I'm trying to teach her that. And I'm thinking, wow, it's really great that they teach these kids these things. This is really good for Sunny. And then I'm like, old is she? Hang on. She's nine. But I'm like, wow, wow this really applies to me. And uh my life was changed at that at right. that moment that I realised that, and that's why I. And then I, I started. To, I said to her piano teacher, "Hey man, do you know anyone who knows? Because I, I've been playing Jimi Hendrix's music my whole life, but Voodoo Child is one of my favourite. Me um, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it, and I can't play the solo yet. <laughs> um, and like Hendrix, you know, and I'm like." Why don't I just, if I can't play like Hendrix, that's fine. But isn't there a yet that I can put on that? So I asked a piano teacher, "Hey man, do you know anyone who um, can play like Hendrix? Because I want to learn that solo to Voodoo Child." And he said, "Ah, oh, yeah, I can." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and, um, and 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 uh, yeah. Anyway, he's like, "Yeah, okay," and I said. I'll, I'll work it out," he said. I'm like, "Yeah, okay. I'll call you, Buck Hendricks, then next week if you can <laughs> play that." And he did, and he he's did. amazing. Oh my! And I, I don't know. I might have done 25 lessons with him since, wow. and um, I, I will say I'm still not quite there with the yeah. Hendricks thing, but um, yeah. And uh, but my guitar playing is infinitely closer to Hendrix than it was when I first made that call. Let's see and. Is- I can see that I will be mm. at a Hendrixy level mm-hmm. in terms of tricky guitar work. I think Hendrix is the biggest genius and freakazoid. So I'm not going to say I would be as good as Hendrix, but um, at that kind of tricky level of guitar, I will be at that level very soon, <laughs> within a couple of months, I think. Mm. But um, yeah. Awesome. You nailed it. Changing the belief to change the outcomes.
0: Empowering beliefs instead of limiting beliefs. I can't versus I, I can with hard work. Yeah, that's great. So, wanna go back to the passion? You know, you said like, yeah, I'm not the what? What word did you use? Like the most disciplined person? Yeah, said, I wouldn't so, say I'm disciplined. Yeah, okay. I'm not disciplined at boring things, but <laughs> but but um, driven. That's what you used word driven and yep. passion. So, what's important to you? about playing music? What are you after when you play music?
1: When it comes to music, music is me. Um, I definitely was born to play music because music was never confused for me originally with ambition. Um, So it's very closely linked to who I am anyway whether i'm whether i'm world famous or just playing in you know the backyard i can't stop playing music and you know that's something that i've done all my life <laughs> i'm a bit got a bit lost then what was the
0: question <laughs> what does it bring you what's important to you about playing music
1: so i get a particular feeling and the more i learn about life and the more i look into these spiritual matters I realized that there's a lot of terminology for what happens to me, particularly when I play guitar or when I sing a long note. Um, It's uh, probably what I think I was just finding this out last night or the night before when I was doing some writing about it, but it's probably the flow state. Mm -hmm. But um, there's certain moments when I achieve, we used to call it achieving liftoff. Um, There's certain times when you can be playing a solo, especially if you're on a really big stage and it's like really like loud amps and it's feeding back. You've got uh, your guitars talking to the amps and you're getting that and you're sort of, you're playing notes that sustain forever and and your eyes are closed. And, you know, for me, um, I'll drift off and it's like my soul is like, up the back there above the crowd or something like not even where I am. And um, I've always, for a long time anyway, for at least, I don't know, for probably, you know, it'll be 30 years soon um, that I started soloing, playing blues and uh, uh, that's that's the only way you can get it that I know of in – in that kind of music is for me it's when i'm bending strings um and singing okay try to bring me
0: keywords here like it could be a little bit abstract words like if i tell you what's important for you in a in a in a um, relationship for example you would say well communication is important for me uh and understanding each other and happiness and stuff like that right like so when you think about music what does it bring you when some, in terms of
1: of these words that are just give it gives me joy yeah definitely it it, it gets me into the moment it gives me joy it's my profession so mm-hmm. it gives me money <laughs> yeah. so
0: money is uh is uh, probably i uh, can call it like um security somehow oh yeah stability
1: yeah yeah ironically enough cuz you wouldn't think musician yeah. music did that but yeah, yeah i i got a i went to get a house um how long ago maybe 15 years ago or something and uh i went to get employment insurance and mm-hmm. they sort of laughed and it's like you can't insure a musician we don't know if you'll be <laughs> if you'll have gigs next year or next week you know And so I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh well, I'll just do it anyway." And I did it, and it's been a very stable um, career through Mm. through economies going up and down and whatever. Um, So it's given me everything that I have in my life. What's that? Everything? Can you point
0: at it? Well, it
1: didn't. Well, yes, it did. It gave me my relationship. So it gave me my kids. It put me here in Bali. It gave me this lifestyle and my family a lifestyle that's absolutely epic. Am that's I hearing, the material stuff.
0: Am I hearing here um, freedom?
1: A lot of freedom. Connections? A lot of connections. Uh, stability somehow? I guess so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I never think of it as stable because I'm comparing uh. it to doing a day job, which is seemingly more stable. But uh, that's, that's
0: what stability means for you. Okay. Um, uh, some sort of growth? Well, yeah, it yeah. has because yeah. you keep on learning. You sound like you're taking lessons on that, growing. Oh, learning, yeah, it's so for epic sure. for that. Yeah. So, what um, else? What else can we add to this
1: list? So, uh, keywords I've never, <laughs> never thought of uh, it like that. It, or, it feeds my soul. It's it's a bit deeper than for me. It's a little deeper. It's my means of expression. So there's a whole spiritual side to that where I can play the same songs. I probably, some of them I probably will play the same songs Mm -hmm. for 60 years or something. And every time it just, it's like, I guess people go back to meditate and you sit on the same mat. Well, you know, I might grab the same guitar, I might play the same Howlin' Wolf song, like some old blues song. Mm -hmm. It gives me a special feeling. Um, So keyword, I don't know, mindfulness, soul nourishment. Mm. Um, so so this this is where we're going with this is we are actually eliciting your core values
0: so these are the things that are important to you that matters to you and then you're getting them through music but you're probably also looking for them in let's say your relationship with your partner Uh, uh they are the things you look for when you uh, when you travel you look for Mm. connections stability Mm. fun joy Freedom, Mm. a sense of freedom. And they are actually the things that drives our behavior, actions, everything. They are the fundamentals of the, the guiding principles of human behavior, both with the belief system. Wow. So when you have them when you have been you said you mentioned in the beginning you were driven, you've probably been driven by these without really knowing what they are. Like seeing them materializing them into, yeah, I will be doing gigs, I will be traveling, you know, but in the underlying layers, they are those things. And those things we call values, needs, you name them. They drive every single thing we do. Wow. And when we are conscious about them, we have them in front of us. We even list them if we want to. Actually, I have mine on my bracelet every decision i make i say okay is it gonna give me freedom if if my one of my values is uh, freedom for example is it going to give me freedom is it giving me connections give me these things that i'm looking for this high level that you mentioned like you said deeper actually you used the word deeper Mm. am i going to reach that deep level by doing this thing Mm. or taking this action or this working on this project whatever we make better decisions Mm. And uh, making better decisions is having better outcomes, you know, mm. basically. Yeah. So, wow, that's really interesting. So, uh, yeah, interesting to see what was uh, driving you and uh, mm. what is still driving you
1: actually uh, mm. in your career. It's it's that also has a crossover for me in in that that uh, notion that how you do how you do one thing is often how you do everything. Everything, yeah yeah and that's really interesting i've never heard it put like that Mm. it's really cool okay
0: so one one more time about music before we move to a different type of questions is what are you after in maybe not necessarily about music in life
1: i'm really fun loving and i love learning I just love having fun. Mm-hmm. So, in the past, that's been in the form of the form that it's um, not taking as of this year with the not drinking thing.
0: Okay, so I asked you, what are you after? What is your why? And you said, um, oh, Yeah, one thing is,
1: yeah, I've always been very, so what's my why? What am I after in life? Um, I really, really love to have fun. And um, I'm a fun junkie and I've chased it my whole life and uh, I will continue to do that. I was chasing it in the form of hedonism um, and mainly the hedonism of substances and, you know, mainly drinking. Um, And that just weaved its way into my life because of the lifestyle and it wasn't like I really needed it. Um, but it was just a habit and uh, it was a bad habit. Um, but a habit nonetheless, not always bad, but often, you know, or I think it did impinge on my spiritual growth too. Um, and it's been part of the awakening of this year and, um. Tell us about it. Uh, well, I just think not having it in my life at all because I, I, the, As every day goes by and uh, things get better and better. It's like like this year, it's like I've been running with a backpack on full of rocks and I've taken the rocks out. And now with the same amount of effort, I just get, I go twice as fast, Mm. twice as far. And every night I fall asleep, I'm like, well, it was a really good day, but God damn it, I didn't get to do like... Those other 300 things that I wanted to do because at the moment I don't even, I've hardly, this year I've hardly watched Netflix or I've hardly, I am cramming YouTube all the time on these uh, topics and, and things pertaining to my interests. At Tell the us about them. Well, you mentioned awakening yeah, the other day in the birthday, <laughs> Mike's birthday, you mentioned epiphanies. Uh, many epiphanies. Uh, my wife's really into it too and she's been doing the same thing and having her own epiphanies. But um, we've been – how did it start? I think it probably started with Danny getting into Wayne Dyer who was a real king of the – he's a self-help guy who was in the public eye doing publications and stuff for 40 years. So he changed and he's dead now but um, he did overcome – leukemia through basically positive thinking and some of the things that we've talked about. Um, but he was really accessible and really good. I mean, I used to, I've always been into spiritual stuff and, but, and I was really into, um, I really had an, um, heavy Eckhart Tolle getting into the now kind of phase, um, back in the day. So that's still rattling around in my head and that actually goes with a lot of this stuff and um were there a specific moments where where things had shifted
0: it said january you stopped drinking right and then i think around may or when we met the first time you were a lot into this right like yeah was, I was i do not know was there something like a, a, a something that initiated all this um,
1: awakening or uh, <laughs> It's just been feeding, you know, like I've yeah. just been feeding it a lot with information mm-hmm. and um, I started, I still haven't started a really organized um, meditation practice, but I I can just feel it. Um, like every day I meditate throughout the day in everything that I do. I do a lot more mindful stuff, uh, do it a lot in the surf, Do it a lot when I wake up, lots of visualizing, lots of, um, I started journaling for the first time that was quite recent, like, but I already started to manifest things before then. It was really weird. I was downstairs here and Danny was saying to me, now imagine the forum, which the forum is just this beautiful, beautiful venue. Um, and it holds about 2000 people, maybe more. She's like, now, how are you going to sell out the forum? <laughs> and I'm like, what? I can't even sell out the corner at the moment. And my um The corner is where I've played for many, many years, and that's about 750 people or something. And then I was like, well, hmm. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking, uh, you know, how do these – how do older guys and older blues guys – how would I do it? Because – I didn't want to just start manifesting, say, oh, okay, I'm manifesting that. And then just have no path to it huh. that I could see. That sounds to me like just wishing, you know. And I didn't want to just wish. I wanted it to be have credibility. I had to at least see some way of making it happen. And I was like, well, we were laying down after. We were sort of meditating a bit after doing some um, yoga. And um, I was like, wow, I guess... Maybe if I started working on my guitar playing and became a guitar guitar guy, you know, like Joe Bonamassa, he—that's a guy. That's a guy who's a real probably the main blues rock guitar shredder guy in the world at the moment. He comes to Australia, he kills it. He kills it all over the world. Maybe I'll become a guitar shredder guy. And then I stood up and I walked over and checked my phone, and there was a thing from my agent, and it and it was like, oh, have you ever heard of a guy called Kenny Wayne Shepherd? and Kenny Wayne Shepherd was a guy who I used to play along to when I first moved to Melbourne who was like a he's a big blues rock guitar shredder guy and so I got these gigs with that guy and I just finished that tour just the other week and um to me that was pretty funny one of those funny little coincidences it was like wow because yeah. I've never bef- I've never done a gig with one of those big guitar guys ever before and I just said it, and then I just picked up my phone, and there it was—the mm. was the support for Kenny Wayne, and that gave me something to work towards, and that's and that helped me to do what I just said I wanted to do. Well, that's quite powerful. Yeah, it was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. And Joe Bonamassa is now on my album
0: because <laughs> <laughs>
1: that album in America that I was yeah. telling you about that got yeah, lost yeah. this year. I got a good young manager. He tracked it down. I've got it back and we got Joe Bonamassa. It was so funny because I was here with my guitar teacher here. We were trying to learn some Joe Bonamassa. And then I said, you're not going to believe this is going to be playing on my album. Wow. And awesome. he's, he's on there. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, a few things in that area. It's like, wow, you know, there is a bit of asking you shall receive. Wow. So I'm starting to have a few of those little evidence points and you can poo hoo all of that stuff if you want to easily. But, the main thing that changed in me, because I was very much a skeptic before, is like, do I want to die and fill out some? Do you know? Do you go up to heaven and fill out some question and answer? Right, you were right about this, and you were wrong about that, and oh, this is the way it really is. And you don't like questioners or <laughs> <and> formulators, <laughs> <laughs> or do you just, or do you just go with what is genuinely helpful? And and so I decided to just go with what was helping my life. And it's just helped my life more and more and actually the more you dive into it, it's just the more positive everything's become. And uh, I'm like all about it now, Mm -hmm. like, because, and the more I learn about it, I learn things like, you know, it's what like using this positive thinking and projecting and trying to manifest my dreams has got me like so far this year. Like I got a record deal a book deal, (laughs) you know, there I was hanging out with Kelly Slater for my book and Steph Gilmore. And they're telling me stuff about this manifestation stuff. It's like the list of things are now like all, um, you know, my publishers, the fact that I have publishers, (laughs) my publishers and, and the record company, they're saying right now, we want to, you know, really make this a priority. Now are you prepared to do, a whole lot of TV, you know, we might have TV crews coming out to Bali and they're saying all these things that, and we want to get you on this thing in in Australia and that thing, all these really mainstream TV shows and stuff. And I've done a little bit of that in the past, but you know, there I was a year ago thinking all of that was over Mm. and it's like, no, it's very much on the table now. And, um, Um, you know, just getting, I just got, um, Casey Chambers, who's a household name in Australia, country singer on one of my track tracks and getting all these other people on, on my album. One of the, these guys, the Teskey brothers, these amazing young cats who are just killing it. this guy's got an amazing voice. I asked them if they would be on my album and they said yeah and they said I was one of the reasons that they got into bluesy music and stuff and um I don't say that for uh the point of um boasting but it's just like when you just project forward and go into it really optimistically and everything's lining up and you're just going for it like I couldn't really tell you the disappointments that have happened this year because I'm not I'm trying to be pretty friction Mm. List with the bad things and just jet past them. Like mm. there's some people who we asked to be on the album who aren't on there or uh, who don't want to be on the album or whatever. And I just like I don't even care. It's no point in mentioning their, their names. Whereas last year I might have said, "Oh yeah, we got this one, but we didn't get that one." And you would end up would say <laughs> the end of the your sentence will be like, "We didn't get that one." Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. And it's on like negative who cares? One. Yeah. You know, now I'm thinking, oh well, bad luck for old mate, he missed out. let's just move on (laughs) that's a growth mindset (laughs) yes could you tell us about the book yeah well one thing i would jump to about the book i well the book is well, well what the book is about is um i'm into because i was asked to write a book and um we sort of did some brainstorming about what sorts of things i could write about that people would be interested in and uh i think if there's anything that i feel like i'm uh, i'm uh, over the years become an authority on it's the intersection of surfing and music and making this lifestyle you know here we are in bali right now doing this podcast in my little makeshift studio and it's just a good example of those two things crossing over you know um we met in the surf you know, um, I've got a guitar on my lap. (laughs) It's, it's always been the way for me. So I, and I thought, you know, I've met so many of my surfing heroes, um, which, you know, I'm a surf groupie. They might be music groupies or whatever. (laughs) To me, it's good to meet famous musicians, but it's sort of what I do. So I don't care that much, but I love meeting all the big surfers and whatever. And I've, been so fortunate to have some surfing heroes be really close friends so i thought it'd be really interesting to write a book um about that and um the really cool thing is a lot of these things that we're talking about they're starting to come up um and i'm starting to ask those people these questions and it's amazing you know how much they use all of these kind of things they do use it Yeah, especially the competition ones. Like um, I kind of like when I was with Kelly, um, well, just briefly like so. Yeah, so it's called Surf by Day, Jam by Night. There's a fair bit of autobiographical, just funny, well, hopefully funny stuff about my life. You know, I'm not some shredding surfer or anything like that, but it's, you know, just about a a few things uh, about the adventure of it. Um, and then I interview them. Um, the one from Bali is Jim Banks, who's a pioneer here. Um, he lives up at Uluwatu. He's a really good friend of mine and he's just got some amazing stories to tell. And then Dave Rastovich, who's a really big, um, activist in the surf scene and a charger. And he's a really great friend of mine. He's the best man at my wedding and we've done a whole lot of things together. And, uh, yeah, Bo Young, um, who's another really great mate who's two times um, world longboarding champ. Yeah, he's a really good friend. Um, But, anyway, I won't go through them all, but, like, the big ones were really um, Kelly Slater, Steph Gilmore and Jack Johnson thus far. Um, Jack, I had to do a phone interview, but um, it was still great and I really look up to him um, a lot. Um, and he just seems like, it. I, I have supported him before in the past, so I know him, but, um, it was really good to get him on there and get some of the things he had to say on record. Um, but the, in terms of manifestation and stuff, um, and making your dreams into reality and where, um, sports psychology intersects with spirituality, I think Steph Gilmore was the best one that I got. And I was just reading over before we met um, two days ago or whatever. I was just handing in that chapter. So I was just reading it over and, and summing it up. And, um, yeah, she just said some really interesting stuff. And she said, you know, Kelly is right into that stuff. And he was one of the leaders and he was doing it long before other people were even thinking about it. But it's the stuff. It's been Published before with Kelly, and well, I'll just say what Ste- Steph is it will sometimes in comps like be going, I need that barrel, that nine point ride, and she'll be seeing, hearing, visualizing it, yeah, yeah mm. and then bringing it into being, feeling the, the field <laughs> mm. and then bringing it into being, and um, you know, and she said other things like. Uh, you know, a lot of everyday people don't don't dare to ask the universe for uh, too much because they don't think it's possible and they're just too scared to ask. And I think we're all like, you know, I know I've been like that in the past and I know with my music I... I was not as – I didn't real. I was just too busy pinching my – even though I worked really hard at it, mm-hmm. I was too busy pinching myself thinking, how lucky is this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the next investment once you're at that at stage is to be thankful. That's great. Gratitude. And then have the gratitude. That's fantastic. I had the gratitude for sure, but the gratitude was a humble kind of gratitude that was always thinking it was going to end soon. I never really – I had the thing okay be grateful now get back to work and keep working at it. But I didn't have that thing of like I don't know okay where do we where to from here let's plot forward and let's keep this going kind of thing. Yeah. Um so that's something I that I yeah. think I learned from Steph. i it, it was at the perfect time for me when I interviewed Steph because I'd been thinking about these things and I'd been reading a lot of Wayne Dyer who talks a lot about manifesting your dreams. Uh, I'd definitely recommend him. And uh, then I asked her the question and she was just like right into it. And I was like, wow, okay. If these guys are into it, you know, like. And they have been practicing this for a while, I
0: guess, to get to where they are at right
1: now. They have yeah, been- and you think um, it's just like. It's always surprise, surprise, you know. It happens in music all the time. You finally see a documentary about some band that's huge or some artist Mm. that you love and you realise everything they did was intentional. They worked really hard at it. They wanted it, manifested it, planned on it for a long time and they brought it to fruition, you know, like... It wasn't just that accident that it seems like from outside. We just see the surface. Yeah. We
0: just see the surface and we think it happened because of luck or some kind of thing. But, like, yeah, like you said, manifesting, hard work, focus, resilience, growth yeah. mindset.
1: Mm. Yeah. And she wasn't that. The thing is with Steph, it's like, okay, that's easy once she's Steph Gilmore. But, like, she was Steph nobody when she first started doing that. You know, she was just a good surfer. There was probably other good surfers too, but she's the one with six world titles going on for seven or whatever. And, you know, same goes with Kelly and everything. So that's really... So that's you're amazing. learning a
0: lot from from conducting these interviews and writing your book and your message. What would you say the message that you're trying to pass on through your book?
1: Um... I think a lot of the things that I've learned this year, they just have to come through, yeah. um, and I keep writing about them, and it's up to the publishers to edit it out <laughs> if they yeah. think that, if they think that you know uh, people don't want to hear your pearls of wisdom or anything like that. I'm not going to self censor um, because I'm really, really excited about this stuff, and a lot of it is an epiphany for me, and uh, it fills me with optimism and a sense of light. Um, and i guess that's what i want to be on stage um in my lyrics and in my writing now now that i'm a big fancy author <laughs> <laughs> when is the release uh, by the way uh it's next year oh okay. um so both things are next year but uh the album and and the book um i want to <sighs> now this the aussiness of me i definitely feel like this is wanky but um i want to spread a bit of light around the place and be a bit of a light for people um and um especially at gigs you know i've always had this kind of vibe on the stage that it's about making people happy and people have often left the shows happier and that was a thing of mine that people used to comment on a lot. And I don't know. I think I started to – the light dimmed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, now it's shining a lot brighter and I want to keep stoking that fire till I'm <laughs> glowing hopefully and, and, you know, pass that on. And I think the way – in the absence of, of partying away and drinking and carrying on like that – that's what I used to do for a run up into gigs, you know, have a few drinks and get the party going and stuff, but now I just feel like um through being really present and um just having that um that consciousness flowing through you, I think that will come out a much stronger through the music than mm. intoxication. And um I think that was just fuzzing the message and um so I think hopefully people feel that in the moment, kind of presence through the music and get the positive message through the book as well, yeah, yeah, through, mm. it, through my lyrics and mm. through the book, yeah. Awesome.
0: So, would you say that your um, goal is quite clear?
1: Your mission also is quite clear, yeah, it is. It's, uh, I, it's I'm really enjoying this interview because <laughs> I this is the first time I've talked about any of this stuff, so mm. um, the words, uh are just sort of coalescing mm. <laughs> together as I'm as I'm saying them now. So you're helping me get my shit together a little bit. But you know, there is a way that I'm feeling at the moment, and an excitement. Um, even on the on the the book front, I would like to get this book out, and hopefully it goes really well, and then I can get on to another book about these huh. topics that we're talking about that's more about sort of aimed at people in their forties who hate the word manifestation (laughs) (laughs) and hate the terminology. um, But, you know, uh, could do with a change and have never really thought that it really is possible or, you know, just have a lot of things that they just take as assumptions and don't realize what really is possible with this life, and that your attitude and the way you go, the way you go about things makes a massive difference. It can make all the difference. Can make your life completely different. And you know, like also for people in their forties who've been maybe stuck in a certain rut or whatever, to realize the world is majorly your oyster. It can be. You know how they used to, or they do say, today's the first day of the rest of your life really is true you know you can really see yourself as if you're a 15 year old kid and say hey i'm 40 i've got a good I've, I've i'm at a good starting point right now look at all the things i have achieved or even if you haven't achieved fuck all i'm here and i can blast off from here and do all sorts of things as if i was a 15 year old kid with their whole life in front of them i mean unless you're planning on dying at 45 you no. have your whole life ahead of you. At You always have your whole life ahead of you. Um, so it would be cool to do something that just sort of jolts people who – it's sort of like rock and roll self-help, like for people who would never go to the self-help, self-help section mm-hmm. or a spirituality section to sort of um, trick them into it because it's such a shame to never manifest your dreams – because you hate the word manifestation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you say that, like I'm thinking about the word meditation. Yeah, a lot of people are resentful for that word. Like they don't want to jump into meditation. Among yeah. the, some of them are my clients. Actually, so like you yeah. gotta meditate. Meditation. What is meditation? Is focus training. You train yeah. to focus to be in the moment, and they don't want to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. but.
1: Back to, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah well, that's something that I'd have to look at too. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been really interesting for me. Um, uh, I wonder if it was um, the one you, what's the guy, Dispenser? Yeah. I've been binging on him. Mm. And uh, what was the other fellow we were talking about? Because I've been getting into Bruce him. Bruce
0: Lipson? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so I've got into so much of them and, and been listening to it overnight, which I <laughs> <laughs> as well, Um but um you know saying that uh, i th- i can't remember which one it was but i've heard heard it said that you know when you're really focused really hard on something um the frontal lobe really lights up and you're sort of in that medit- you're achieving you can tr- you can achieve a lot of things that are spiritual things through really focusing really hard on what your passion is. And you can sort of do a few tricks there. That I'd like to look into that more. Um, of uh, If you are optimistic, positive and single-mindedly learning something new, I think it's quite good for your brain, let me put it that way. And when you are learning something new – in a positive and optimistic way you are at your happiest i believe and you certainly can't be in a rut so uh, i'd like to explore that kind of thing a bit more
0: this has been uh really 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 awesome and great like talking to you here with uh yeah see like you it's, it's, we were surfing the same waves a couple of days ago yeah. and now we are here uh, having this interesting conversation yeah digging deeper into yeah your habits and your interests and your goals and your motivation or your drives really really stuck having that
1: wow yeah um thanks heaps and i've learned a lot and i can't wait to uh listen to your other podcasts because uh yeah you got a lot of good stuff going on brother it's really really cool thank you thank you